0: The Road to Rediscovery is sponsored by BetterHelp. Let me ask you something. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? You know, for me growing up, feelings of anxiety, inadequacy, doubt, and even imposter syndrome got in the way uh, of me reaching my goals and reaching my full potential, right? So BetterHelp addresses these and more. It's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't have to ever sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and get this, financial aid is even available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. They mean it. Visit betterhelp.com slash road to rediscovery. That's better H E L P and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And there's a special offer for our Road to Rediscovery listeners. Get 10% off your first month when you register at betterhelp.com/slash Rediscovery. We're all in this journey of life together, and it sure feels good to know professional help is within our reach with BetterHelp. Again, that's Better H E L P. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Our lives are laid out on a road of bumps, turns, struggles, and more. How do we respond? How do we endure adversity for learning and growth? I'm Aubrey Johnson, and we'll explore these questions and more on The Roads Rediscovery. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Roads Rediscovery. I'm your host, Aubrey Johnson, and I'm so excited that you're here with me. The Road to Rediscovery is about reflecting on life lessons to learn and grow from them and to take it to the next level and help others who are struggling through dark times. Now, as you know, on the Road to Rediscovery, we are very passionate about delivering quality content that is of value to you. So if you feel like you enjoy what you're listening to and what you're hearing and you would like to support, just please Visit us at roadsrediscovery.com slash support. That's road, the number two, rediscovery.com slash support. And we'll even give you a shout out in a future episode. And as always, there's no obligation. We are very, very grateful for your listenership. All right. So my special guest, I want to tell you about her. She's a rather unique individual. She is the host of the podcast, Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. Her story is a journey through surviving childhood abuse and becoming a psychotherapist and international life coach. I have no doubt, and I'm not speaking for her, but I have no doubt in my mind, a key part of her journey is of profound reflection, applying what she's learned from her experiences to help others heal, grow, and live a peaceful, meaningful life. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's please welcome Nikki Eisenhower to the show. Hey, Nikki, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Aubrey. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, absolutely. No, thank you for coming on. So, let's go ahead and just dive into it, Nikki. If you can share with the listeners, you know where you're from and 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 what was life for Nikki growing up before uh, the abuse started.
1: Well, I'm a Louisiana native. I'm a mm-hmm. New Orleans girl. And my childhood was filled with a lot of pain and struggle and a Mm. lot of beauty. Mm. I came into the world and almost died at my birth. I actually got Catholic last rites as a baby, the the thing that they do before you die in the Catholic church. I'm no longer practicing. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of my entry into the world. Uh, My mother was a young mother, um, unwed, In Louisiana in the South in 1980, that was still a really big, shameful Mm -hmm, mm no-no. So she mm -hmm. was really pushed to marry my biological father. Mm -hmm. They went on to have two more kids and they just had a very tumultuous, violent, angry, tension-filled, immature, because they were so young, relationship. Mm. So in terms of growing up as the eldest child, I took on a lot of responsibility and i i stepped happily into a parentified role as lots of children do who are raised in homes where there's tension and toughness and needs aren't right. getting met so mm-hmm. i was happy to do it i had a lot of maternal instinct as a big sister i diapered my sisters i walked them around i tried to protect them and take care of them
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's kind of guided me my whole life, um, as those parents divorced, we wound up living with my maternal grandparents in mm-hmm. Lakeview, New Orleans, mm-hmm. and they really shaped who I am today in, in a lot of ways.
0: Amazing, absolutely amazing. And so, um, I guess from early on, like you said, um, that 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 paternal instinct, you know, uh, that it just kind of came to you naturally, right?
1: It did. I think it's part of my maybe an intention of being born on the earth or, or my calling. Um, Right. I, I took care of lots of cousins. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I remember coming home from school to pick um, extracurricular activities and the red cross had a, uh, babysitting certification where you learn to do CPR and the Heimlich yeah. maneuver. And right. I signed up for that and everybody around me thought that was really weird. Like, why would I pick that? Mm-hmm. And then I took that certification and went to all the neighbors. And really that was my first entrepreneurial <laughs> pursuit was I babysat all kinds of little babies and little mm-hmm. kids. And mm-hmm. I just loved it. So that wow. kind of maternal instinct to kind of caretake. Yeah like really has carried me all the way through my life. And as a woman who's decided to be child free, something I never intended, I wind Mm up being very maternal in my work. I do a lot of work with the inner child. And of course, I Mm -hmm. did that from healing my own inner child because my parents had been so tension filled. Right. I wound up having night terrors, very, very young. Oh my gosh. As dysfunctional as my family was, I started seeing therapists. We were a therapy-minded family, interesting Mm -hmm. enough, when I was very, very young. Um, I can remember some of my counselors from second grade and how they would pull me out of class. Mm -hmm. At that Mm -hmm. time, my biological father had started to distance so much that I was feeling abandoned. I'd have Mm -hmm. a lot of moments of waiting on my grandparents' porch. He would promise to come pick me up. And I've always been tenacious. I think we're kind of born with that spirit. I don't know if you can learn tenacity as much as being born with it. Yeah. And my little tenacious spirit, I would stay out on that porch for hours and hours and hours. And my mom and my grandmother would say, he's not coming. Nikki, come inside. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, he is. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. my mother was a a very cold, like ice queen type of woman, Mm. not very warm at all. I very much leaned into my biological father. Um,
2: Gotcha.
1: And so when he abandoned me, it was a very, very deep trauma. I longed for him. I wept Mm. for him. Uh, Of course, we don't do this anymore with the Internet, but I can remember listening to songs. Remember when we could call into the radio station and request songs? I I would request sad songs to try to connect with my father.
2: Oh, wow.
1: Oh man. Just yearning for, just wanting to be connected.
0: Gotcha. You know, there's something to be said about the trauma and, 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 you know, just the devastation that a child goes through in abandonment. Um, that can have just as much an impact as physical or emotional abuse directed towards you. Is is that true?
1: It's absolutely true. And part of why it's true is because it's a very different kind of trauma that you can't really see with your eyeballs. Right. If someone hits you, even if someone screams at you, there's something that you can point to. You're like, oh, somebody screamed yeah. at me, or I have a bruise or a red mark. You can even yeah. take a picture of it. Uh-huh. You don't know how to put into words as a young child what you're feeling when you lose attachment. And we are a species, we are humans that are biologically wired to attach to each other. Yes, we are. For survival. So yes. it's not just like, oh, it's so sad our parent went away. It mm. is a deep, deep disconnection it 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 is as deep and profound as if you lose an arm or lose a leg and you have to re-figure out just like if you lose a limb how to do all of life it it really changes who you are and it set me up to have my nervous system constantly on guard
2: Mm.
1: constantly on guard and and i Mm -hmm. think that's part of why i mentioned Almost dying at birth. When yeah. we really look at someone who has struggled with compound post traumatic stress, mm-hmm. and we really look at well, how, how much did their nervous system feel? I think from the moment that I got onto the earth, I was surviving. Mm-hmm. And we're not supposed to live in extended periods of survival, whether that's right. an emotional longing to be connected. Mm-hmm. And we really need that. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I hear stories of. Families like passing a kid around, like if the parents are addicted, like that's a big problem now.
0: Oh gosh. And and
1: they go, oh, they're taking such good care of the kids. And of course they are to the best of their abilities. (laughs) Yeah. But it's really easy to miss that that kid really needs those primary players to be a a, a constancy, something to really grab onto. That's how we learn who we are by having enough safety from our parental units to be able to feel a sense of confidence and go out into the world and, and explore and make mistakes and, yeah. and trip up. So so part of what happens when you grow up in similar dynamics that I did was that I I learned that I was starving. Well, I didn't know this at the time, but that I, w- I was starving for connection yeah. and for safety and yeah. for soothing. So I learned how to be such a good girl. I <laughs> learned how to please my teachers. And mm-hmm. that... Morphs into a perfectionism over time, a sense right. of self worth where I right. have to perform, and it, it creates people pleasers out of us. When our mm-hmm. the primary units that mm-hmm. we're born to are inadequate or toxic, and we just can't get our emotional needs met.
0: I got you. Wow. I, I and I and I totally I totally agree, which you know leads me to ask um, during this time where you know you 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 felt abandoned. And th- these are, you know, deep wounds that, you know, that you're trying to navigate through. Um, and your mom had ice in her veins, I guess, like you said, she was she was cold. Um, um, I- I'm wondering, you know, um, did you feel like you had any one person to talk to individually about, you know, losing um, or, or missing your father? Um, I-, I know, like you said, you're, you know, um, pretty much a therapy um, uh, minded family where you know you therapy is, is is good and you should you know go to it when you need it um, uh, outside of a therapist um, was there a family member or a close friend at school or a teacher that you felt like you can talk to um, about about your loss your abandonment
1: no and and I no? think that's okay. a very common thing I, I come yeah. from a family that, has a value system where they're always sort of there for each other i i am as an adult estranged from my family but but growing up like we would show up for each other birthday parties and holidays and celebrations and that's Mm -hmm. a very new orleans louisiana thing too so there's the culture of where we live that plays in also where you get together you party you eat (laughs) right like that we are the culture of vices so getting together and having fun was valued and something that happened often and something I very much enjoy, but talking about deep things, talking mm. about hurt yeah, was not part of my family dynamic. Mm. I, I come from a family of, we push it aside. We don't talk about hard things I at see. all. And so that is a very hard thing to be a very sensitive, passionate child and not really have anyone modeling That it's safe to talk about hard things, because when we talk about hard things, we really release them. That's part of how talk therapy works. And so, when we're kids and we're feeling stuff and we don't have the words or the vocabulary or the the wisdom yet, the experience to articulate, it it really, really can hurt us. It, It is such an unfortunate thing that can happen. If we have an adult that is a little bit more emotionally mature, emotionally available, uh, emotionally secure, so that they can talk about those things, yeah, then they can give us the language. You know, if right. I had someone like that, they might have been able to say, "Wow, sweet girl, like you must be so sad," and in yeah. that moment, someone would have validated for me. My mother didn't want any mention of my father. Mm. She did not want him mentioned. You know, and I think that used to be a, a way more common thing than it is currently. And that, that's a very good thing that we have more understanding about not alienating a child or not being down on the other parent in front right. of the child because we're an extension of those parents.
0: Absolutely. So Absolutely. we feel
1: that as them being down
2: on us.
0: Man, I, I can only begin, I, I can't even begin to imagine um just the 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 feeling you you've had. Where you, you had these feelings in your heart, in your mind, you, you wanted someone to talk to and connect with to share how you're feeling about, you know, um, not having your father around and your your mother in your own house is um, saying, you know, his name is stricken from these walls and stuff. And yeah, that's that has to be debilitating. I mean, absolutely debilitating for a child, you know?
2: It really was. It really was.
1: Louisiana being Catholic too, I didn't know anyone else who had divorced parents. So I felt very oddball out. Mm. We would have events at schools. They don't really do this for this reason now, but we would have a lot of father-daughter things Mm -hmm. at school. And I would be mortified because my grandfather looked like a grandfather and all the other kids saw that. And so it was very, to get no coping skills with that, I felt like a raw nerve. Mm-hmm. Constantly, but if you look at pictures of me from back then, I am happy. I am smiley. Yeah. I am bright. I also learned to kind of to overcompensate, that it that it wasn't okay to show those feelings. And I definitely tried. I would call the radio station and try to do a shout out song like we used to do back in the olden days. Right? Yeah,
2: yeah. And, yeah, and I, I would sit there this.
1: and I would weep. So when I look back at wow. that. From this place in my life, I can really see how little me was trying so hard
0: mm-hmm. to work
1: it out and to figure it out.
0: Mm. On your own. Because, on my own. Now, yeah, I had counselors,
1: yeah, I had school counselors. And sure. They sure. played with me and they took me out of class and they made me feel special. Yeah. I don't remember really talking about what was going on, but that was really my first taste. My actual first counselors that I remember in Southern Louisiana as an eight year old second grader was I had two of them, and one lady was named Mrs. White, and she was black, and the other counselor was named uh, Mrs. Brown, and she was white, and I thought that was hysterical, like as a little girl. I was so intrigued by that, Uh and they just made me feel special, and I think back then Mm. it was almost like don't talk about it if the child doesn't bring it up, but because I grew up in a dynamic where we didn't talk about it, I didn't even bring it up with them,
0: Ah, I see. So that that trait kind of carried with you outside the home.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, very much. I don't know that I was ever taught this directly, but we, we no. soak these things up, right? I come from a yeah. family yeah. that, like I have my podcast now and I share my story and they would very yeah. much see that as I am airing my dirty laundry. You mm-hmm. don't do that. You don't tell people outside of the home what's going on. And, and a lot of old school people had that kind of pride. And I understand wanting to kind of protect the family unit and in, in the healthiest sense. But when there's abuse and neglect or struggle, that becomes a really problematic yeah. idea.
0: Yeah. No, it does. It it, it totally does. And so, um, you know, like you said, the pictures that, you know, that you may uh, look back on, from school or hanging out with friends, you know, see shows you smiling, laughing, maybe engaging with other students and friends. But in your heart of hearts, if you can just walk us through uh, just briefly, because I know you touched on this earlier, um, you had to have been going through a myriad of emotions underneath, right? Um, even some vulnerability, because like you said, um, you know, this wasn't common, um, you know, with the parents, um, back in that, back in that, back in the day. Right. And so, you know, just, just being a little apprehensive when it comes to conversations or topics that come up between, you know, where, where both parents are involved at school. Um, what were some of the emotions that, 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 that played in your head, um, um, or in your heart that you were feeling, um, that, that was, that was hard to, 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 to bring out.
1: I wondered what was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. That my father went away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even my icy mother trying to make that better would tell me things like, well, he loves you. He just doesn't know how to love you. And Mm -hmm. I I think I internalized some of that and brought it into how I dated, how I related to men growing up.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: I think I felt so much anxiety in my body But it was so normalized to me that I didn't know that there was something wrong. It just, it was how I was. So I didn't know how to put words to it. I think that's part of why I had night terrors. Mm. And night terrors are like bad dreams on steroids. If anyone has ever seen a child have night terrors, they wake up screaming at the top of their lungs like they're being murdered. So I don't know that it was my mom really wanting to bring me to therapy as Mm -hmm. much as having to, because what else do you do with that? And when that, when I couldn't get any of my pain or my confusion validated,
0: right, right.
1: Where else is it going to go except coming out in the middle of the night in a subconscious way. By Mm -hmm. the time I was in second grade, I was in my third school. Now kindergarten and first grade, I was in a school that I loved. I was the only child to walk into kindergarten, not crying. I was so excited to go to school. I was so puzzled (laughs) by the other kids. Really? I I wanted to learn. Uh My my grandmother had two master's degrees, one in library science and the other in history and had owned her own bookstore. So knowledge was probably what saved me, knowledge and reading. Mm -hmm, Very authoritarian, mm -hmm. not allowed to do much. I was very obedient. But Mm -hmm. the one sort of big freedom I had was I was allowed to read anything no mm. censorship. My grandmother was big on absolutely no censorship.
2: Good. That's yeah. another
1: topic. I'm seeing things happen today that are hitting oh. that button for me. Yep. yep.
2: Yep. But
1: but that was a no censorship thing and so there was a respect even when I was a small child that I could go to libraries and I would come home with stacks of books starting at about second grade and I would just bury myself. So my world was stressful, but yeah. I could dive yeah. into books. Some might say that that maybe was my first drug escapism. We don't, we think of books as always good, but really that was, that was a way for me to cope and, and take get away from what sure. I was feeling, what I was thinking. Uh, so yeah. I, I very much think that books and, and knowledge and having that particular freedom saved me from developing depression that came very close at times to me taking my life. But I also had a strong sense of this life is precious, and there is a lot of joy in it. And even when I felt the craziest as a teenager, I, I valued that life and and never ever allowed that that permission that it takes to say, okay, I'm giving up on myself. I, I would not allow that, even if that was in large part the people pleasing that I, that I knew the people around me would be hurt. And so maybe I did it for them at times. Staying on this planet. And when I look back on that, mm-hmm. it, it's it's chilling it's it's chilling to look back at, at, at how much pain i felt at times and how i survived i mean there's a lot of there, there's a lot of miracle i think in divine intervention teachers saved my life yeah. teachers and the fact that i was a good student and could learn really yeah. well school was an absolute reprieve for me where i could go and very simply someone would say study these vocabulary words learn how to spell them Right. The right. simplicity of that, that, that someone would just tell me, study this, you're mm-hmm. going to take a test on it. And I could study it and then take a test on it. It made sense to me. It was like one plus one equals two. I
2: mm-hmm. could
1: relax about learning. And that guided my life. I have been blessed with the most fabulous teachers from the very, very beginning. And mm-hmm. some kind of way the universe knew having a cold mother that I needed very maternal teachers. And wow, did it deliver in my life
0: wow it really sounds like it delivered for sure and uh and 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 you're right you know we got to give a shout out to the teachers first off by the way my 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 wife is a retired uh, teacher and assistant principal um uh, after 23 years so there's so much to be said about teachers um teachers uh, i tell you they they don't they don't get the recognition um that they deserve but you know what i don't know like uh, you can give them recognition every day uh, for ten years, and it still wouldn't be enough <laughs> for me because they have such an impact on children's lives that carries with the children in their future as they become adults and do like amazing work like you're doing. So, um, you know, uh, for school to be a reprieve to you, I can understand why, given the the, the home life experience, and so. Um, that brings me to uh, one question I have. And before I ask this question, I just have to say, Nikki, um, I can kind of feel or connect with your spirit. And, 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 and I can tell, um, at least I believe, that um, you are kind of like me a hopeless optimist. Okay. I see a silver lining in every cloud and the glass is always half full, even during the most tumultuous and challenging of times. And, and so uh, you you said it earlier, um, you know, your, 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 your life growing up, uh, there's been some times, a lot of times when you're in survival, and uh and and we're not meant to be in survival so constant you know but um uh, but you found beauty in certain um what would seem otherwise um you know dark experiences so what was that beacon in the night that was the beauty i mean uh, i you mentioned books earlier so you know books was a way to cope a way to escape but was there a beacon in the night what was the beauty that 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 you would refer to uh that that you know that you saw to 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 keep you staying the course i guess you could say
1: my grandfather my grandfather that we lived with he Mm -hmm. I believe that I'm a highly sensitive person. And I believe mm-hmm. my grandfather was he. Mm. So as much as my biological father was a real kind of like a hard ass, yeah. not as cold as my mom, but kind of a hard ass and, and yeah. not so available. My And my grandmother was a tough figure too. I mean, where I get my toughness from is my grandma, huh.
2: Uh-huh.
1: but my grandpa, he taught me wonder.
2: He mm. absolutely
1: taught me wonder. We lived in the city, but we had this magical backyard. Yeah. He dug out a pond before having like a pond in your backyard mm-hmm. it was a cool thing mm-hmm. and he would build birdhouses very specifically like he loved purple martins and purple martins are picky and they want a birdhouse that <laughs> right. a certain height and has these measurements and and he would learn all of that and do all of that. Right. Um he would do things so that hummingbirds would come by the window and he would say look at how fast their wings are moving. Wow. He would grow things like Cotton and giant tall sunflowers and peanuts mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. carrots just to show us. Just to show us. So he, he, when he built a, a, oh, not a swing set. What's the thing that teeters back and forth? What is that? Seesaw? Call? He built a seesaw in the backyard. Yeah. One that <laughs> is probably very dangerous and awesomely fun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. All at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So
1: he taught, he did things like he caught squirrels. And this is wrong. No one do this. But he caught squirrels because they would take over his Purple Martin bird houses. Yeah. And he spray painted their tails. And he <laughs> brought them one mile away. And then all of a sudden, one day, we're at the window. Grandpa's having a cup of coffee. And you hear yeah. him go, Son of a bitch. And then he runs outside <laughs> and he had, and then he re the squirrels. The squirrels were back with the painted tails.
0: Oh my he goodness. He did that three wow. times.
1: The second time he took them two miles away mm-hmm.
2: and mm-hmm. they came
1: back. Mm-hmm. And then the third time he took them three. Before the internet, he had to figure that out. And so it took three miles away before they would find a different home and not come back. So I saw him working things out and yeah. having this relationship with nature. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. it, it, and it fascinated me. He was also a man that would show emotion. He would hug me and be warm. Yes. He would cry. I remember when Mickey Mantle died. That was one of his baseball idols. Yeah. And he, would ju- he wept and wept and wept. Wow. And I, I grew up with Southern tough men that didn't show that. And the yeah. fact that he showed that naturally, and I could tell he felt like something was wrong with that, like he shouldn't be showing that emotion. Mm-hmm. If he was still alive today, I think he'd get a really big kick. Yeah. out of what I'm doing and, yes. and how I'm teaching people that it is absolutely strong to have, a oh, it'll choke me up, to have your emotions because yeah. we are feeling creatures and to try to suppress that mm-hmm. is just wrong. And when we lean into it and allow it, right. our life just, it has more color.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And this may sound cliche-ish, cliche-ish, but I, I totally believe when you give yourself permission, right, um, to be emotional, to feel the emotions, um, you feel the tears coming to you know to weep when you know when you feel like you should weep, um, when you to grieve you know to be sad or to be angry you know, um, giving yourself that permission and you're right I mean at, at, that was you know for your grandfather to feel that at a time when you know the old school method was men aren't supposed to cry. They are hard. They don't talk about their troubles, you know, and that sort of thing for him. I mean, I don't know. I kind of want to say he was ahead of his time, you know, He
1: was very much ahead of his time. And and part of what he also taught me was that you could live through very hard things. Part of his story was he was a Navy man and his ship went down in World War II. So he had memories and he had to make the decision. I always share it as a codependency recovery story yeah. that sometimes you have to really make decisions to let people go to save yourself. When his mm-hmm. ship went down, there were sharks yeah. and he had to swim away and he could hear his his buddies being eaten by sharks. Oh my and gosh. he chose to swim really? away yeah. because people yeah. were flailing and taking each other under. And he spent mm. a night in the water that way. So there, there are things that when you know someone has survived that right it, it instills yeah. in you this no matter what is happening even if today feels like the worst day ever yeah i need to go on because if he could go on after that i can go on no matter what
2: those
0: are inspiring words and i know what you just shared with the experience that your grandfather went through in the war and 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 how it resonated with you to go forward uh, it's resonating with the listeners. It, it really is. Uh, I want to thank you for sharing that story, you know, about your grandfather, and uh, and and giving us a glimpse into who he who he is, who he was. Right? I mean, um, emotional, compassionate, um, and 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 he is the source of 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 your 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 wonder and uh, and and asking the questions. Right? Be curious in life, and 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 learn about nature, learn about different things. Uh, instead of just staying inside the four walls, so oh, thank you so much for that. Uh, really appreciate it, Nikki. So um, I want to talk about the great work that you're doing. I want to talk about your podcast, and um, you know, there was something on your website that I that I saw. Uh, it's 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 a point that you brought up that I found very extraordinary. Um, okay. You you brought up a point where you talk about how trauma and abuse. You know when it's not addressed over time can you know and i'm saying childhood abuse and trauma can can shape and affect us in our adult years whether or not we know why we function the way we do right um can can you can you can you kind of unpack that a little bit for the listeners and 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 share you know what that means
1: absolutely well well, we're kind of doing some funny things with the word trauma. I think currently, I think we're overusing it and, mm. and you know, you can't get a hangnail and say it's traumatic. Like, like we have to kind of, <laughs> you know, like t- like toughen up as a society that's and right. not call everything, you, you know, it, it's yep. hurtful when we break up, it's not traumatic when we break up. Like, you know, right, right. <laughs> I'm talking about like real trauma when I say that. And, yes. and that's a sticky thing. Cause we don't want to like compare levels of trauma, but we have to just be kind of really, really, radically honest with ourselves and not lean into any kind of victim mentality there. yes, We have this funny idea that we are kids and then all of a sudden we hit a number of years, an age, and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden we are adults. Mm -hmm. And and we have this this subconscious belief of, well, childhood is over and now I am an adult, as if they don't relate. Mm -hmm. When we are traumatized as an adult, if someone is Physically assaulted, if someone is assaulted by a stranger on the street and raped or sexually assaulted,
0: right?
1: Horrific, awful. Have some things to talk about. It also isn't automatically traumatic. People, it, the trauma does not sit in the event the way people think. We actually can have really horrible things happen to us and they're upsetting and they suck. But they don't all encode traumatically some people can really take a beat have their feelings and kind of go forth Mm. some rape victims don't have struggle with sex moving forward some car accident victims can get right back into the car Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. we all know the woman bethany who was the the surfer she still hits the news i think she had a baby recently yeah Shark bit her arm off as soon as right. she could. She went right back into the water.
2: Mm-hmm. To the mm-hmm. rest
1: of us, we looked at that like, oh my gosh, isn't this girl traumatized? What is she doing? Yeah, She went, nope, she went right back in. That was her love. She wasn't going to let that, that stop her. So that's the big point that the trauma is not in the crappy events that happen to us. It's in how the, the nervous system absorbs it and moves through. So the more coping we have, the less likely it is to encode as trauma. The difference between something happening when we are an adult and when we are a child is that when something happens to an adult, even if it is traumatic, we're already a full formed being. We are our personality already. Right. We, are, we are the sort of completed version, not that we're ever fully complete till we die, but right. of who we are. The difference when we're going through rough stuff as children is that it's actually shaping us because it's happening during our development.
0: Yes. Yes. And in that
1: way, it it can sort of give us some patterns mm-hmm. and teaches things that we don't really realize.
2: Gotcha. Because
1: my father abandoned me, despite having a really great grandpa. Now, I also had another abandonment that wasn't his fault. Both of my grandparents, who were functionally my parents, I right. can barely remember my mother being present. She lived there with us, but she was off in a way doing who knows what. She really right. handed off the parenting to them. Okay. So they both died before I left high school. My, my grandmother died of a oh, wow. brain tumor when I was 15. And my grandpa died two years later when I was 17. That Mm. year at Christmas, he stood up and said, I have a cousin the same age as I am. And he said he had, again, he was an intuitive like I am. He was a highly sensitive person and an intuitive. It's probably the most woo-woo thing you'll hear me say. (laughs) And he stood up at Christmas and he said, I just want to live to see Nikki and my cousin graduate high school. That was December. He died in March. I graduated in May.
0: Oh, my goodness.
2: Wow. So
1: I went from being a very, very good girl trying to keep it together and trying to always please everyone to I started really hitting a rebellion time in that period. And that's when I had to get angry. And I I don't know that everyone knows in who isn't in like mental health world that when we are hurt, anger is a real part of that process, because to Mm -hmm. heal from trauma, we have to heal our grief. And the reason that we have grief is because we realize how much is lost.
0: Right. Yeah. My innocence
1: was lost. Mm -hmm. My security and my grandparents Mm -hmm. was lost. I didn't have a safe person to kind of plug into.
0: Right. Right.
1: As a child, my mother went on to marry a pedophile and she knew. And so that's that's part of my story, too, that that I had to deal with that as a young girl. So going through rough thing after rough thing after rough thing, there's a point at which We can't maintain smooshing it all down by being the good girl and that pendulum swings. And when the pendulum swung,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I lost it and rebelled and and I needed to. It was a rough time, wouldn't advise it for anybody, but I needed to. And and that helped me kind of find myself. So those things shape us. I didn't understand that that was my trauma response. Right. But that was my system basically saying, Nikki, we can't hold down tight on all of this pain anymore. We mm-hmm. got to just cut loose with it.
2: Right. And being right. from
1: Louisiana, I started going to bars at 16.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now,
1: I if, When you grow up there, you don't know that that's unusual anywhere else. It's just normalized. Right. So right. There, there's a lot of trouble that comes with that when you do that, that young, especially so oh, for sure. I barely made it out of college, but out of high school, but got a scholarship as some kind of divine miracle and made it through school. I was so down on myself. I was angry. What's wrong with me that I've acted out? I was raised in that super Catholic. You don't have sex before marriage. Right, I right. Was sleeping around? Of course I was. I was a sexual abuse survivor. That's part of how we try to figure it out and make sense of having control over the situation. And right. there's a whole lot that goes into that. So I felt tremendous shame. I married a first husband very, very young, absolute sociopath. My Mm. mother, I now know sociopath. So when we grow up with someone like a sociopath, what that basically does to Mm. us in terms of growing us into who we are is it said to my system, Nikki, you are meant to be with this type of energy. This type of energy is right for you because this is the type of energy you were born to. So almost almost like someone blind, I sort of stumbled into my first husband. Yeah. So then I had to go through that divorce and had to learn. And then my next husband, I've had three, I'm on my third one and he's gonna stick. But (laughs) then I married a better person, but not a good match for me because I had no Mm -hmm. idea what a good match for me was. So all of that shame, all Mm -hmm. of that what's wrong with me, but I had to really do work to look back on my childhood and go. I'm not a chaotic person. I'm actually a very calm, grounded, reasonable person, my natural self, my vibe. But to understand, I had never really had stability. Anytime I would start to get stability, like my grandparents Mm -hmm. dying, Mm -hmm. like my mom remarrying a dangerous Mm -hmm. person, Mm -hmm. the rug got pulled out from under me. So that was a pattern that my subconscious knew.
2: Mm. So
1: we walk forward in life and despite our best efforts, because my conscious self would say, I never ever want to have a relationship like my mom's. Mm-hmm. I never ever want to get divorced. I never ever want these bad things to happen. If I have kids, this will never happen. These promises we make ourselves, and then we watch ourselves trip into the very holes because we grew up being put in those holes. Yes. And then we're down on ourselves. I I know that I've always known that I'm very smart. I, I was gifted with with a good brain that can figure things out mm-hmm. that didn't help me forgive myself that helped me batter ram myself with a critical voice yeah. if i'm so smart why can i get an a in all these classes and get on the dean's list but um, i can't figure out how to have a good relationship what's wrong with me
2: mm, so we, yeah
1: when we grow up on not getting our needs met we don't know how to give ourselves what we need not emotionally not Mm -hmm. mentally not physically Mm -hmm. not financially we see that Mm -hmm. a lot in this country of just poor financial decisions where does that come from if you make poor financial decisions it's likely you witnessed a whole lot of poor financial decisions right yes so it's starting to look at to to back up and look at your life almost like you're not you like with a sense of curiosity like huh
2: yeah instead
1: of judgment instead of shame instead of critical voice let's just look at it objectively if i saw somebody else going through all these things i'd have a lot of compassion mm-hmm. i'd also have a lot of patience right. i have a lot of understanding of of course they don't know what they're doing how would she ever know what she's doing she hasn't gotten this guidance
2: yeah 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 so
1: there's there's a whole lot that goes in to healing that but I, does that answer your question about that quote on my website?
0: No, that does. It, it really does. And, and having the empathy and, and, and you know, and, and compassion and patience for, you know, someone going through that and struggling. Um, and yes, it does. It does answer uh, the question. Um, and uh, it gives a clear example, giving, you know, what you shared with your own journey, a clear example of how, um, of how the um, abuse uh, the trauma, the abandonment in your child years affected your late teens and early adulthood years. So, um, no, thank you for sharing that. And 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 to dovetail on that, Nikki, uh, just for the listeners' benefit. Because I know there's a lot of listeners out there that feels that, you know, from choices they've made in their lives, from the from different directions that their lives have made, uh, had had turns in um, a lot of dead ends, a lot of just um, unfinished things, a lot of uh, what could have been's and that sort of thing. Um, you know, um, s- some people feel that it's too late. And, you know, it's like, okay, I was a teenager having fun. I blinked and now I'm in my mid forties. What happened? It's too late. you know. Can you speak to the importance of understanding that as adults, it's not too late to address and properly process, you know, any trauma or, or bad experiences you've had earlier in life?
1: Not only is it never too late. I've worked with people in their seventies. Like not mm. only is mm-hmm. it not too late. I'm going to completely flip that on you. Okay. There is so much wisdom. If you allow, if you let go of the shame mm-hmm. and you let go of the critical voice, you let go of feeling behind. That's a yeah. very universal thing that people feel when they've grown up with chaos is I feel so behind. Yes. If you just allow yourself to go, okay, well, I well, I am where I am. And we look back at that history. Look how strong you are.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Look how much you've learned. Mm -hmm. Part of why I'm good at my job, you know, most counselors are very white collar. They -hmm. come from families that can pay for college. They go through college and they help people.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: I have had to sleep in my car sometimes. Mm -hmm. I have tried almost every drug that there is out there.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was a French Quarter bartender. I know how to be tough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I know how to take care of myself. There is so much, you're scrappy. You know how to get by. When shit hits the fan, you know how to have a sense of humor. I love trauma survivors. We have Mm -hmm. a dark, twisted (laughs) sense of humor and it'll take us far. We have a lens on the world. You show me a trauma survivor who does some work to figure it out. Mm -hmm. They can spot manipulation in the world in ways that other people don't have a lens. They don't know how to see it. If you stop being down on yourself and start allowing yourself to go, wait a minute, what do I know because of what I've been through?
0: Right. How does this
1: actually make me a person that can value who I am, what I've been through and start honoring who I am right now? And, yes. and when, if I get a little tough love, I, I can, I will wag my finger a little bit and say, and that is what you deserve. And if you continue to be down on yourself and you don't, Make it your mission to give yourself some goodness, no matter how many years you have left, yeah. you are absolutely getting in line to abuse that inner child and neglect that inner child too. And that inner child deserves, she, is, she or he has always deserved, just yes. like I always deserved. Yes. We are all deserved of having goodness, of being lifted up, of finding peace, of finding fulfillment. So don't you dare tell yourself that right. it is too late. It is a cop-out. It is victim mentality. We have to acknowledge when we've been victimized, but I tell people, do not buy property in the victimhood. It's a Mm. shitty place. You don't want to live there. Get rid of it, move on, and allow yourself to have some goodness. You deserve it. Let go of that story that it's too late. Every time you say that to yourself, you're wasting that minute of your life. Let it go. Move forward. Find lightness and
2: Lives.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. One hundred percent, one thousand percent. And you've heard it right here, listeners. Okay, do not take in property in victimhood. It's a horrible, horrible place, and it's never too late. Don't play the victim. Don't cop out. It's never too late. You deserve goodness. You deserve goodness. And those words you've heard from Nikki Eisenhower. Oh, Nikki, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, So great to have you on the show. Thank you for sharing your insights. I I really appreciate you.
1: You're so welcome. Not only thank you for sharing my story, but when I get to share about my grandpa like that, I'm keeping him alive. Yes,
0: his spirit. Absolutely. (laughs) He's he's within you. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Every moment of my life.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, if you can just uh, share with us a little bit about your podcast and what it's about and and what you cover, I'm sure it's a lot of what you and I have just been chatting about here. Um, and, and I'm sure that your journey has been the inspiration of this uh, of of your podcast. Um, you know, emotional badass where Moxie meets Mindful. Um, I, I, I love that title. I love Moxie. I love Mindful, and just the <laughs> just the just the, just the Congruence of them together, you know. I, uh, I I'm, I'm interested in hearing what this is about, and if you can also share for the listeners how they can connect with you and hear your podcast.
1: Absolutely, thank you, sir.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, after working with people, I, I don't know. Maybe I'd have to count the years. About ten years as a counselor. Yeah. I've got a degree in psychology and a master's in counseling.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, really, it was the encouragement of the people I worked with. They started mm-hmm. saying things to me like wow, Nikki, you should really have a show, You blah, blah, blah. And so they really encouraged me. Uh, and I believe that's how we heal. We don't go to a professional and they tell us what right. to do and heal. Right. We grow. There's a lot in counseling. When I work with people, it is a loving profession. You can't go to somebody and go, I'm going to pay you to love me. That's not how it works. <laughs> no. But when people show up and there is that connection, we really love each other through. And so my clients have grown me as much as I've helped them to grow. I got so you. I really wanted to take the, the one-on-one work that I did and, and extrapolate mm-hmm. it. You know, One of the hardest things I did in my life was breaking the secret of being mm-hmm. sexually abused. And my whole entire giant family
2: yeah.
1: did not like that I did that. Um, and it was one of the most isolating, terrifying, lonely, confusing oh, lost times of my life. And from getting through that, I, I know how many people in this country, I think childhood sexual abuse is, I mean, we've had two years of COVID, right? It is yeah. a real, real pandemic. I was not mm-hmm. prepared even growing up in it based right. on what my graduate program <laughs> prepped me for. Yeah, I was not prepped for the amount of people that I would see that were abused by family members and family friends. It is a wow. real huge problem. And because of the internet
2: mm-hmm. and
1: pornography, It is an exponential problem because they can grow communities and connect with each other. And so it is a huge, huge human dilemma right now. So knowing all of this, I am a very, very strong introvert. Okay. Mm -hmm. I love talking to people. I get all comfy and can do it. But I, if I could live on an Island, I love people, but also I love solitude. I I love crafts and being with myself. So I, I have felt torn. Mm-hmm. but I felt a strong calling about wanting to put myself out there because I know how many people that I can help. If I share my story and yes. share what it actually is yes. to grow and heal, even having those degrees, even being in counseling, from being a small child, mm-hmm. I had to put so much together myself. I had to figure out, I teach a course in boundaries. I had to figure out what boundaries were. Yeah. Everybody kept saying, have boundaries, have boundaries, have boundaries. And I wanted to drop on my knees and scream how, <laughs> God, someone show me how, Right, right.
2: Yeah. how do you
1: do that with people that give you the finger and don't want to be respectful yeah. of your boundaries? Yeah. So I, I have this passion in me. So I have a course where I teach boundaries once a year for six weeks. Mm-hmm. And I started the podcast two years before COVID. Gotcha. And I started sharing my story. Actually, I, I grew up and put that father, that stepfather who ultimately adopted me at 14.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: grew up and I pressed charges. My, my memories had been mm-hmm. repressed. Yeah. And they came back to me in my early 20s and I pressed charges
2: mm-hmm.
1: in 2018. He was supposed to have six more years of prison. And I got news that they were letting him out on early on good behavior after four years of that sentence. Oh, man. And I, I, went, I went crazy. I yeah. went angry. I called every official. I started a mm-hmm. Facebook group. I couldn't get any traction. And it, it was very triggering because I was, again, I was a little girl that no one would listen to and wrong things were happening.
0: Right, right.
1: My now husband at the time who produces the show, that's its own magical story of how we met, but Mm -hmm. for another day, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: he looked at me when I got that news and I crumbled. And he said, we had just, we had about launched the show. And he said, we're not going to let this push back the show. Let's let's launch it Mm -hmm. anyway. We're not going to let this delay this any further. Gotcha. So we did. And I just shared it. I just authentically shared, this is what's going on. I kind of was hoping for like 25 downloads <laughs> mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it took off and it picked up. And so there's an early Beautiful. episode where you can hear me like really raw saying, mm-hmm. this is divine that my voice wasn't supposed to be used there to try to keep somebody in prison. Right. It was better used with the podcast. And so that felt like a, like a, like a divine hug and encouragement. And yes, we've never missed a week. So in spring of 2018, we release every week, um, this spring, we will celebrate year four. When COVID hit, I had another, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? The introverted part of me wanted to run and pull the covers over my head. Yeah. How am I going to address all this pain? <laughs> how am I going to hold space for myself and right, be right. terrified and scared? Yeah. And so I think that maybe is the secret that we continue to grow and we continue to evolve and all of the struggle, even the things we're terrified of when we feel like we don't know what we're doing. If we lean in, that's how we learn how to do what we need to do. So the podcast has grown me. It has encouraged me. It's changed how I worked and it's opened me up to work with people all over the world. That, that audience of highly sensitive people and survivors. Yeah, blew up my show, and it is in almost every country in the world. I like to joke that we even have four downloads in North Korea. I don't know how <laughs> it's possible. I don't know what's. I hope somebody's about to get out and they're listening.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but
1: it, it is. It, There's so much connection. There is so much light and love, and um, I I so appreciate the listeners there. When you come and listen to me, I'm a big believer that you know you're not going to agree with everything I have to say. And I I challenge you, as as I think I showed you here, I I cut through a lot of the BS because it I think it is such a tragedy that we are wasting time with nonsense when we need to get to the good work, get done so that we can feel peace, we can feel empowered, we can find our purpose and live it out. So it's a challenge. Some people will tell me some of my episodes are a gut punch. That's okay. And it's okay to come listen to me and to disagree. But to never, ever give up on learning and growing and evolving. Uh, You get to be your own authority figure. And that's a big part of what I push to never, ever worship anybody like me, anybody that's on any microphone, anybody that's religious or maybe even political, that you allow yourself to become your own source of authority. And when we do that, nobody in this world can manipulate us ever again. And for someone who grew up under manipulators, that mm-hmm. is a very, very, very important empowerment to learn how to step into, for the sake of sanity and the sake of self-respect. And oh. that is what my show is about.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. One hundred and ten percent true. Uh, I'm 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 aligned with you on those. I mean, and and as you said, you know, some episodes are like a gut punch as they're received by the person listening to it but i'm a firm believer in the the, the notion that um uh, some those episodes if they come to you as a gut punch c- gut punch they are meant to be a gut punch yeah. right there's a sense of a wake up call a sense of accountability a sense of you know just um realizing hey You've been sleepwalking through life and you just need to wake up and see things as for for what they are, you know? And and that'll help you get back on course and, and stay the course, you know. I mean, sometimes those gut punches are needed. They're wake-up calls. And, yes, they and a lot
1: of people in, in modern society feel that and run away. They they don't want to be uncomfortable. No. And and I am here to to model and tell you healing is very uncomfortable and growth work is very uncomfortable it's why most people don't do it so you've you've got to want this and give yourself permission i hope that what i model is that i thought i would have debilitating post-traumatic stress symptoms the whole rest of my life that is not true i don't take any big pharmaceuticals at all Mm -hmm. so you can you can really heal your body you can heal your mind You can have your mind, have a relationship with your body that supports it, that holds space for you. Yes. Do not ever buy into a narrative that you are too broken to be fixed.
0: Or that it's too late.
1: Or that it's too late. Absolutely.
0: Wonderful. Beautiful. Nikki Eisenhower, thank you once again for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate your insights. I appreciate what you've shared with the audience. And um, there's power in vulnerability. And you have made yourself vulnerable to share with the listeners your journey and what you've gone through. So I just want to let you know I don't take that lightly and I truly appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much. you have lovely space for me to share and go off on tangents and be my kind of <laughs> goofy self. so I appreciate you so much. Thank you, Aubrey.
0: Oh no, absolutely. So Nikki, now we're gonna go into a segment. I call three for the road. And in three for the road, that's where I ask my guests three random, yet thought-provoking questions that I challenge them to answer in five words or less. So what do you say, Nikki? You think you're up for it? I'm ready. Shoot. All right. Fantastic. Okay. Starting us off, question number one for three for the road. What, if anything, can rehabilitate one who who commits physical abuse?
1: Ask me one more time.
0: What is what is there, if anything? I'm, I'm sure there is. But what can rehabilitate someone who commits. Physical abuse, we, we've talked about uh, rehabilitation and, and transformation and counseling for, you know, um, the, the one that that it occurred to. But for the one who is committing it, um, insight
1: what? and yeah. ra- insight and radical personal responsibility.
0: Insight and radical personal responsibility. That's where that accountability comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Love it, love it. great answer. Okay. Um, number two, what is a key phrase or expression you would tell a client when they feel that there's absolutely no hope?
1: I don't know if I can get it in five. It might be six. That's okay. (laughs) This is only a moment in time.
0: Beautiful. This is only a moment in time.
2: Seven.
0: Uh, All right. Seven is cool. That's all right. (laughs) Okay. And and by the way, for question number three, kind of referencing that, I am a huge New Orleans and a huge Louisiana fan. I'm a fan of the culture. I'm a fan of the architecture. I'm a fan of the celebrations. I'm a fan of preservation hall i'm a fan of the quarter i'm a fan of the food a huge fan of the food i spent some time in new orleans not a lot of time but boy i had fun when i was down there and uh hey it's a neighboring state now that i'm in north texas so um so you know it's not that far for me to get to uh at least Shreveport, but you know, I, um, I'm a big Louisiana fan. So, uh, I might be hitting you up for some unique Louisiana, um, recipes or dishes, you know. Oh, I
1: can do that. Yeah. I I live in Denver now. When I when I oh you do okay look out the New Orleans food. Like yeah I I (laughs) impressed.
0: Nice. Yes. I'm all about that. So you might be hearing from me sometime in the near future. You
1: got it. I cook a lot.
0: All right. So number three in reference of food. (laughs) If there was a certain food that can remove all the pain suffered from abuse, remove shame and restore self-respect and esteem. What food do you think that would be?
1: For me, red beans and rice. That's a very New Orleans thing.
0: It's a very New Orleans mm-hmm. thing. And when I, I make it, I have
1: ground beef, sausage, <gasps> bacon, and ham hock.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm getting chills down my back here, down my arm. Oh,
1: oh Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. we will feed you. Like That is part of the culture. We are very open-hearted, and we yes. let people into our homes. That is the best of Louisiana. I have heard it said by Lisa Tahir that I know that you interviewed too. She has dubbed Louisiana as open hearted, but closed minded. (laughs) 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 And I think that really, really gets it. And we will, we will have fun. We will bring people into your home. We hug. I mean, there, there's so much of that culture that I take with me into my heart and into my work and yeah, probably into the show.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I'm sure you do, and I'm I'm going to subscribe to your show, by the way, and listen to some episodes. Um, and yeah, I mean that hospitality and that open heart, open the kitchen up, open you know, and 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 serve and feed you. I mean that's that's part of the Louisiana beauty and charm, right?
1: That's right. We will serve you sweet tea.
0: Yes, sweet tea. There <laughs> we go. Oh, we can go on all night about this, you know, for sure. Oh, uh, Nikki it's been such a pleasure having you on the show I really 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 appreciate you uh, coming on and so hey let's do this uh let's please stay in touch right because uh, love to have you back on the show maybe six to eight months down the line and um, give the updates uh, give the listeners an update on you know on you know how life is going for Nikki
1: I would love that yeah okay absolutely anytime that you want I am in <sighs>
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening. And if you have a loved one or a coworker, colleague, um, a friend who seems to be at the end of their rope, they seem to appear as if they have nowhere to turn. Um, they're walking through dark days of despair. Uh, I humbly ask that you please share this show with them, because on The Road to Rediscovery, there are two things we want our listeners to know. Number one, you're not alone. And number two, there is always, always hope. The Road to Rediscovery, it's a movement, a revolution. And guess what? You are now part of it. We're all roadies on this journey of life, and it sure feels good having you on the road with me thanks again for listening. We'll chat again soon. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Roads Rediscovery. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at roadsrediscoverypodcast at gmail.com and leave us any questions or comments you may have. The Roads Rediscovery is an AJ Shark
2: production.